I'm Marina Tura, and you're listening to the Positive Fantastic Podcast. I came to visit Julia Green at her home once many years ago, and I was astounded. She had turned our rental property into a fully-fledged farmstead. Such is her devotion to the craft that she made a farm happen even without our roots firmly planted. Since then, she has been able to transplant herself onto a beautiful expanse of land, where she has a more permanent agricultural endeavor. Her skills cover a vast area of expertise as she has created a farm and gardens which synergistically support her and the plants and the animals on her homestead. Her herbalist background lends itself well to caring holistically for the creatures in her care, and whenever I visit her, knowledge flows through her as she describes the well-thought-out decisions to include different elements into each of her barnyard areas. Right before the beginning of the pandemic, I had been planning to dive entirely into my author career, giving myself the opportunity to truly pursue writing full-time. My son had started attending school after a decade of homeschooling adventures, and I was ready for the next chapter in my life. The fire had taken our homestead, but we had been returned and had rebuilt on the land. The fire had taken our homestead, but we had returned to the land and rebuilt, and were going to try to live there without all the farm chores and animals this time around. I released my debut novel, started doing a book tour, and was promptly, like so many of us, completely redirected by COVID. Within a few weeks of lockdown, I had reassessed my family's needs in the precarious state of the world and had decided to return to farming, full stop. Goats appeared, chicks hatched, and a quarantine kitty was added to the menagerie to help with rodents in the garden. We collectively turned to sourdough baking and sharing about our homesteading skills on social media. At some point in the midst of the early waves of chaos, I saw Julia post some pictures of her rabbits and immediately sent her a text asking if she perhaps had some baby bunnies that I could add to my farm crew. She did, and I was delighted when the buns matured enough for me to finally go pick up a boy bunny from Julia and a girl bunny from one of our neighbors. She walked me through her backyard rabbit den, showing me each of the sweet baby bunnies that had been lovingly handled by her daughters. The mama buns had been doing a great job getting their little ones to grow, Julia's attendance to their needs was admirable, and the babies were thriving very well. She showed me her catchment system for bunny compost, her glass water bowls for the bunnies to drink from, and the garden clippings that would be their breakfast that day. We spent several hours visiting all the animals on Julia's farm, one by one. Everyone seemed quite happy and well-nourished. Over the years, Julia's love of animals led her to act as a friendly consult in her community for folks hoping to begin the path of farming and animal husbandry. Recently, she has brought her gifts into a more formalized offering in which she is available for farm and garden consultations to ensure that the holistic health trio of the land, the animals, and the farmers are in wonderful balance. In this episode, Julia explores her background and what led her to become the barnyard midwife.
My guest today is Julia Green, the Barnyard Midwife. Welcome, Julia. Thank you, Maury. I'm really happy to be here. I'm really excited to have you. I, I feel like having people who are in love with farming is a really beautiful thing because we need to have farmers in our world. And you are definitely totally in love with farming. <laughs> so it's a natural thing to have you on the show. Thank you so much. Yeah. And we met through Symposium. It's kind of the, the ongoing joke of the podcast is where did I meet someone? Well, we met at the Northern California Women's Herbal Symposium. <laughs> sure enough, uh, we both worked crew, although at different times. You had worked crew from its inception. You kind of invented the RTF, the Random Task Force crew was coined by you as the, as the story goes. Yeah. Uh, some friends of mine called me Random Task um, after the... Austin Powers um, character, okay, uh -huh. who, who was a, a riff off of Odd Job, uh -huh, um, uh -huh. and they just they would call me in for everything. And then when I started with Gwen and Kelly at the very beginning, when Terry and Karen were first taking over, and they were the only organizers, then that was the very first year I was twenty years old. That <laughs> um, I said, you guys need a you guys need just not just a setup and tear down, but you need like a task force, like a random task force. And that's when it was born. <laughs> uh -huh, totally. Yeah. And I did that for about 10 years. And um, I had been a few years away from the symposium from even going. And then when I showed up and I brought my daughters that year, who were both quite young, I kept hearing about Maury, Maury, and then I met you. I was like, who is this Maury person? When I met you, I was like, oh my gosh. And I just loved you so much right away. Aww. You're my tribe. Yay. And we totally, it was funny too, because like I joined RTF to like wean my son. So we were just in that same kind of whirlpool of like early mama-ing. But I was just a little bit earlier in it. And then you would, well, and you were revisiting it too, because you had your older son, Isaiah. And then you were also, you had round two with the girls. So <laughs> pretty fun. It was great. So as a barnyard midwife, what do you do? Well, I'm a small farm consultant. I coach people trying to help them figure out what kind of animals they want, or if they already do have animals, help them optimize by um, teaching them about herbal wormers and superfoods and supplements, natural minerals, and just how to have healthy animals. Really try and do it in a holistic way. What what's growing on their land already that they can be feeding what what would grow well I'm a permaculturist so you know bringing in sort of a little bit of permaculture design on helping them optimize their space and you know stacking functions and <laughs> storing water and just really um I love going to people's properties introducing them to their plant friends that are growing there and mm -hmm showing them how to have healthier animals and a holistic homestead. Really, it, it's my passion. I love, I love it. When I leave someone's property, I'm just shining. I just mm. feel so shiny and, and they're shining too with all the new information and 
yeah, it's, it's my passion. Make the connections. So good. Julia, how did you become a farm coach? Well, it sort of happened organically, pun intended. <laughs> um, oh. uh, I got my first farm animals. Um, well, I mean, if we want to go all the way back, I started out as a small farmer. My parents had bees and a big garden and goats and chickens. And you grew in, up into it. Yeah. Some of my earliest baby pictures are of me with a baby goat. Aww. So I, I, it's like in my blood deeply. Yeah. Yeah. I love having animals around. So my husband and I got our first chickens and goats 13 years ago. You know, wanting to do things as naturally as possible. I didn't really give the chemical warmers and I was interested in herbal warmers. I didn't really, couldn't really find the resources out there for Mm. them. About seven years ago, we had a very, very, very wet spring. It just rained for like all of the month of March. Mm -hmm. I could not keep my, my barnyard dry. Mm. I couldn't, Mm -hmm. everything was just wet. And um, parasite ovum, really need moist um, and warm conditions. And that was perfect for them. So everybody was blooming really hardcore. And, you know, as much as I could, I was just trying to keep everybody healthy without using those nasty chemicals because they don't even really work. But I got a really sick baby goat and I took him to the vet. And we have really good, really good large animal vets here. They're wonderful. Um, In Sebastopol? Uh, in Katati, the Katati Large Animal Vet. Um, mm-hmm. But they're still using... Conventional stuff. Synthetic yeah. chemical nastiness. And um, the ones that they're using are um, many, many years old. So there's resistance. Mm. There's a lot of parasite resistance. Mm. And the vet told me, you know, you need to... He told me that there is resistance and you need to double or triple the amount and double or triple the times dosing. Whoa. And so it's not really an option to use chemicals in just a little bit, which is what I wanted to do. And I ended Mm. up following doctor's orders, killing this baby goat that was really Mm. sick. And he was my favorite. He was I could fit him in the palm of my hand. He was my first Aww. Nigerian dwarf baby goats. Um, my first round of them. He was the the runt, and um, I mean they were all small, but he was the smallest. Zeus. Aww, I Zeus. I just it broke my heart, and I was determined to find a different way. And even though it was hard to uncover the information about herbal herbal warmers because it wasn't really out there you could like get onto the holistic goat group through facebook but then you were trying to weed through um you know tag posts and it's just i wanted to ask someone and there was nobody to ask Mm -hmm. and um and when you ask someone on an online forum you may get a lot of layman's that are guessing (laughs) out loud there wasn't a direct route to anyone. And yeah. actually, I have a very good friend who's a, a natural farmer and raises meat here in Sonoma County, Sarah Silva of Green Star Farm. Mm-hmm. And 
I talked to her and she gave me some really good resources. And I started by buying a, a book um, by um, Catherine Drovedal. And she runs Fir Meadows, LLC, F-I-R, like the tree, uh, up in Washington. And I bought some of her herbal warmer and her GI soother and started using them. Mm-hmm. And since I'd been an herbalist for, you know, more than 15 years by that point, I used them for a year, got really comfortable mm-hmm. with all her different formulas and then started making my own mm-hmm. and using my own. And the, the ease and efficacy of these formulas was astounding to me. It was amazing to see how healthy everyone got and how easy it was. I mean, I had a couple of lambs with coccidia, which is a protozoa. It's everywhere and anybody could get it. Mm -hmm. And it really wreaks havoc on the digestive system. Mm -hmm. And they just get scours, which is just the running shits. And... I had had, that's what Zeus had had. Mm-hmm. And what was uh, prescribed was this stuff called Corid, which smelled horrid and tasted horrid. Mm. And he acted like I was trying to kill him, which uh, unfortunately yeah. I did kill yeah. him with it because it was that toxic. But the other stuff, which kills coccidia, is called GI Soother from this woman, mm. Catherine Dovdal. And it's like, cinnamon and cloves and ginger Mm. and marshmallow root and turmeric and cayenne and all things that like I had almost all of those in my pantry already Mm -hmm. and it Mm -hmm. was so easy and I these lambs went from when I woke up in the morning I went out and um noticed that made up a batch of GI soother um and gave them one dose in the morning, one dose in the afternoon. And then I, the next morning I was going to give them their third dose and they already had pellet poops again. Nice. That quickly. It was miraculous. It was amazing. And that was like, that was a bunch of years ago, but I, I just, I swear by it. And I love teaching that it's easy and safe and, you know, you can't overdose on these herbs. None of it is, none of them are toxic. You can, you can double and triple dose and give it to them all the time for a little while if you're trying to get rid of something. And it, for an acute situation. And yeah. it just, it only helps them and it's synergistic with the body. So it just helps them just become vibrantly healthy. Mm-hmm. That is how I came to doing it. And just people would at people were all the time were asking me questions you were the person you had been looking for (laughs) (laughs) well Sarah definitely helped me she's a really dear friend of mine and she really steered me in the right direction and I will always be grateful for her doing that I I always tell her you're you're the reason why I'm the barnyard midwife (laughs) we need farmer friends we We do we really do we really do my husband's always talking about how if i find someone who's another goat person he's just gonna he'll just walk away he's like i'll come back in an hour or so it just understood (laughs) yeah anyways it has been a wonderful ride and i gave my time away for years and years just helping people because that's you know that's what was being called on me by my community and um then i've started charging because my my um expertise grew and my self-confidence grew and my 
my willingness and, and passion to really share that with people on a larger scale grew also. So mm-hmm. I'm entering into a professional realm in the last few years doing this and, um, you know, going to people's farms who I don't know at all and developing relationships with clients has been, has been really, really wonderful. So today's PSA is about the apprenticeship programs that you offer. Yeah, we have been offering an, a live-in apprenticeship, which we used to just call an internship. Really, there's so much more to it, especially since I teach a lot about our own bodies and our connection to the land. And We all need to get dosed with herbs. <laughs> <laughs> we need it so bad. <laughs> and really connecting to the land in a deeper, more spiritual way. I make offerings to several different earth spirits and trees and waterfalls. And I teach the wheel of the year on the Northern hemisphere, connecting to the um, solstices and the equinoxes and the cross quarters that are halfway between there. And um, which we just had in bulk. We just had the first day of spring and I really feel it. And my apprentice from last year wrote to me and said, Mary Imbolc on February 2nd. Mm -hmm. It really made me feel good. I didn't even remind her. And she, Mm -hmm. she moved about a month ago and it just, it, it it warmed my heart to see that it's in her now Mm -hmm. it's inside of her. So, um, yeah, so we've moved from calling them internships to an apprenticeship because, um, and she's continuing my first apprentice, Laurel Bay is, um, is continuing to learn from me and she's nearby still and helps me make medicine and comes on farm calls with me. Um, and she was here for a year. Um, we usually do about a 10 month internship mm-hmm. and I am also offering satellite internships mm-hmm. or apprenticeships where people can show up on a specific day and we work out in the garden we work pruning things and weeding things and then feed the animals do some mucking and then make some medicine mm-hmm. so it's you know there's always projects to be done <laughs> on the farm stand. there's always projects and that's actually how the um internship uh uh was born was we had a we had an a little extra space and a friend of ours who had just finished her um uh, internship out at OAC at the Occidental Arts and Ecology Center, mm-hmm. um, where I took my permaculture course, and then later Tucker took his, and she had just finished her internship and needed a place to stay for a little while. And so she came and lived with us for a few months, and we realized that we both really have a lot to teach. My husband does a lot of um, building projects, and both both stick and screw and natural building, mud and straw. Mm-hmm. And yeah, we just, oh, and he's a chef too. So he teaches a lot of um, kitchen skills, which is amazing. Um, Goes hand in hand with growing good food. It really does. And, and, you know, even just learning how to like expertly take an onion apart and get it into diced without continuing to chop, 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 chop. Um, Like that was one of my first skills where I realized, oh, (laughs) there's more to this. If you do it in an organized way, then... Mm -hmm you know, it can be so much faster and more efficient and, Mm -hmm. and more even. Yeah. I, I love having someone else to 
I, I want to say talk at because I I'm a talker, but I'm I'm very instructive by nature, and I I just love teaching and I love learning. And if I don't know something, I'm really not scared to say, you know what? Let's find out. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, which you know, to me, I think the best teachers are are humble. So I really always try and and come at things with I don't know everything, but I do have a lot to share. Julie, if I was to hire you to come out to my property and advise me on my farm scene, what would that look like? Well, I do a two-hour foundational consultation that includes just looking at animal housing, animal feed, animal uh, like mineral supplements, and um, doing sort of an overall assessment of their health, Mm -hmm. um, which I can tell from teeth and coat and um, looking at the tissues under their eyes um, and looking at their nails. When we look at housing, um, I like to make sure that there's adequate space mm-hmm. and that the bedding is healthy for them. Mm-hmm. I've definitely been in places where they were using the using orchard grass for their bedding and that was also their feed. Mm. So, um, you know, that's just an example of something that I've said, please don't do this. Mm-hmm. That's actually been in a few different places. Do you want parasites? <laughs> do you not want parasites? Yeah. And they just pull it out of the, and I, you know, I've had to tell people several places, like if there's food left over, you're feeding them too much. Mm-hmm. So getting people almost everywhere I go, um, people's goats are fat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just a thing. And, and not go- pregnant. And not <laughs> pregnant, but they're fat. Yeah. And and um and also usually parasitic. So there's a bloating mm-hmm. with the parasites, but there's also um extra excess flesh over the ribs. So I'll assess mm-hmm. the body by um, you know, feeling over their ribs and down their top line. And you can tell also if there's um, parasites by the smoothness of the coat and mm-hmm. if they're getting a good mineral content mm-hmm. and a wide variety of minerals from the coat, which should be very soft and silky. Mm-hmm. And if it's not, then there's usually deficiency, which is usually caused by a parasite overload, which is easily correctable. I usually advise, so yeah, I advise on amount of feed, type of feed, look at forage. We would walk around then and talk about all the different things you could be feeding. Where, you know, a lot of people are having to prune things back. It's so easy, even if you don't have a space where you can just let your goats out, because like mine will eat my blueberries. They will eat my apple trees. They will eat my small trees um, because we've only been at the place that we bought here in Sebastopol for four years now. So we planted some, we've planted many young things, berries and, (laughs) and, and trees. And uh, my goats will, I really have to be on them. I can't just leave them out. I do let them out because they help me with the Himalayan blackberries. Certainly. But then I, you know, have to put them back in. But I'm pruning things, so I would be telling them, okay, this is a great forage plant, and this, you know, this is this plant, and um, it provides these nutrients, and 
you know, getting a wide variety of nutrients is really important for them, just like it is for us. And mm -hmm. people often with their animals just tend to go to the easy, which, you know, I sometimes revert and my animals don't get different things for a week. And then I'll go, oh, gosh, but I have carrot peelings and, you know, celery tops and ends of romaine heads and all kinds of things that are coming out of my kitchen all the time right. that those can go to my goats where, you know, some people might be feeding those to their chickens and that's really good. My chickens get let out and my guardian dogs watch them um, and the chickens can't really scratch uh, ruin anything sort of where they where they get let out so they get their greens and bugs through that I would be advising on on minerals a lot of people just get whatever salt block sort of there and those minerals are really they're broken down and all the like uh, those salt blocks are broken down stripped natural salts and then they sell the minerals to vitamin companies. <laughs> and then they'll add back synthetic minerals, which it does not make any sense. So I use Redmond. Mm -hmm. I use that for my family in our own kitchen, Redmond Real Salt from Redmond, um, Utah. A great company. And they're mining from an ancient um, inland sea, which is there in the earth. I really like that. I really like their products. All of their products are great. So I recommend, you know, for people to get a variety of different products from them. They have a clay conditioner that helps the loose salt stay loose, but the clay conditioner actually is helpful for parasites also. And I'm advising people to make sure that they're getting selenium rich, selenium boosted salts, because everywhere on the whole Western coast, like from the Rockies over, is deficient in selenium mm -hmm. and um, babies born without selenium boosted salt mothers when they're gestating the babies can be so weak that they can't nurse and um, i've seen it mm. and it's called white muscle disease and they will die mm. if they don't get an injection of selenium mm -hmm. um so you know i'm advising on things like that make sure everybody gets on kelp <laughs> Granulated kelp is amazing for minerals and everyone on my farm eats it and loves it. I mean, ducks, geese, pigs, everybody gets kelp, <laughs> goats, chickens. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then, you know, really going into an herbal warming protocol, getting people to buy Kat's book because it's, it's thick and rich and she has a really good materia medica in there. She's got an mm. excellent glossary. She's got so many stories and, you know, I don't sell, I don't sell herbs. I sell information. <laughs> mm -hmm. I share information. So mm -hmm. people are always like, well, can I buy the herbal warmer from you? And I say, no, but you can buy it from this person. Mm -hmm. There's also Land of Havila. Those women are amazing too. Um, I recommend to try a few different, a few different ones mm -hmm. and, and even to switch between a few because it's good to, to not just utilize one thing. Mm -hmm. I love going to people's properties and, you know, like I said, introducing them to their land in a different way. I went um, just recently to some new clients that um, I met through, uh, through my kids' school, and they were both permaculturists, 
Knights and had been to their course at OAC more than 20 years ago. They had a beautiful natural pond. They had a couple of goats. Their uh, big goat was needed a lot more food than their two tiny goats mm -hmm. and they had just the one feeder mm. and so the tiny goats were so fat and they were they were only feeding orchard grass which you know feeding um they were all weathers so they're mm -hmm. all castrated males and mm -hmm. feeding um alfalfa can be too rich and can help to create kidney crystals mm. but they could feed a little bit of fermented alfalfa which is a product that i highly recommend it's called shaf hay and I've gotten our um, feed store in Sebastopol, the feed store, um, to <laughs> to uh, to carry it, and gotten several clients who are a little bit further away to have their feed stores carry it as well. It's a great product to get the um, herbal wormers in if mm -hmm. people aren't feeding grain, because those mm -hmm. weathers shouldn't be eating grain at all ever, mm -hmm. and it, it's kind of moist. You know, these folks were so amazed at all of the information that I had for them that I shared with them about they had this big pasture that the goats were out in they said yeah they don't really eat the grass down we expected them to graze and I well I said well goats are not grazers they're browsers goats yeah. browsing means brush and grazing means grass and goats will eat a tiny bit of grass but you need some sheep you need like a couple of small sheep if you want to or maybe some grass eating pigs. I have Cooney Cooney pigs, which are a very small um, New Zealand heritage grass pig, and they're great for backyard um, pets and, and grass eaters. And they're so sweet and friendly and just the cutest faces. I love my pigs so <laughs> much. Um, and I have, I have had a, a client who I convinced her to get pigs and she, <laughs> From me and she's so happy with them she mm -hmm. loves her pigs um so sometimes i'm i'm introducing people to um new breeds that they could be mm -hmm. you know better utilizing their um their property with and they had a bunch of blackberries and a bunch of roses that they cut back and then they were just putting those in their green waste bin Oh, and I said, your goats need to be yeah, eating those. That, yeah. <laughs> and that's great for goats. So just, you know, talking to them about uh, herbs that they could plant for forage and um, different uh, things that they already had there that they it was in the fall so that they could be um, taking the heads off and and seeding their land because they had a big sort of blank space on the on the they had a south facing sort of a gentle slope on the downside of their pond you know i was walking around and looking at what was already there and what they could build on and mm -hmm. i gave them a few recommendations of things that they could plant that would really help for it to not be so barren mm -hmm. in the in the mm -hmm. summer and and fall mm -hmm. and certainly getting their grass down because they don't they don't mow that and it was like a half an acre pasture oh, that they were expecting these three goats to eat down and they're never going to eat that down and told them, you know, if they mow it once or get someone to come and weed whack it, that the grass actually would, would grow better and they would be able to, to nibble on the fresh stuff if they got that old stuff out. Right. Or maybe even like a panel system where they had an area that the goats were in and then they moved. The goats, if they pooed or peed on it, they're not interested anymore. <laughs> so like, that's just not going to happen.
you know, I, I was, it's great that you're doing this because I feel like one of the things that I really, a critique I have of people that want to get into farming is that they kind of go at it ass backwards. You know, they don't consult first to learn the skills that are necessary to do the thing. And then they're like constantly backpedaling, which is fine too. You know, we all just dive in because we ex <laughs> get excited, but there's so much to be said for learning from people that have been there before and, and, and getting a grip on what it is that you're actually going to do. Well, that's why I have my flock starter package and my herd starter package, because I realize that people um, and, and my foundational package, it starts with my foundational package. So I come and do an on site the two hours. Mm -hmm. And what comes with that is um, a, 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 another 30 minute follow up via Zoom within in one month a PDF that I send that has all my resources on it. So that's what is included in my foundational package. And mm -hmm. then if they still want, in one month to have to get chickens or ducks or to get goats or sheep or pigs, then we move forward with, um, you know, another two hour um, planning session that's more focused on the infrastructure and what what they'll need and then connecting them with builders, which I have a slew of them in my yes. in my pocket of all sorts um incredible builders and handy women and <laughs> my friend um who was my most amazing intern ever um sj um she is a handy ma'am she yeah. just sj's handy ma'am ma service and um she's just she learned most of you know like the the impetus of her uh, doing all of the farming and building that she does. She, she learned from being with us for two years. She nice. was there when, um, when I was pregnant with Ashka, our middle daughter, and she didn't leave. She's like, she's like my little, she's my daughter, sister. Uh -huh. She's a family member of ours now for sure. And anyway, moving on to what someone would want to be doing with their property I really highly recommend getting me out before people get their make said a plan. animals. Make a really, really good plan. Well, it's really interesting because before. when people have me out, I've had people who thought that they wanted chickens and then realized that their property was way more suited for ducks. Uh -huh. They already had a pond. They had a slug problem uh -huh. or a snail problem. Right. <laughs> and, and ducks are the way to get rid of yeah. Um, there's like a famous permaculture saying about if you, you don't have a slug problem, you need, you need, you have, you, have, you don't have duck a slug. Yeah. You have a duck deficiency. Yeah. <laughs> I love that one. Totally. <laughs> um, anyway, it's, it's been really interesting. Cause I, I also meet some resistance. I met, uh, ran into, a someone I went to high school with and he was like oh I, I got goats during the pandemic and chickens and I was like oh you should have me out and he was like well I mean they're doing fine and I'm like yeah you should have me out before they're not fine yeah. you should have me out to learn what I know because you don't know what you don't know yeah and I've you'll find out the hard way if you don't <laughs> find out now, yeah. Yeah, and I've had people who are terrified of the birthing but want to have goats for milk, and, you know, they've never tried to help a mama give birth before, mm. and I've definitely been elbow deep in goat and sheep many, many, many times. Right. If there is 
um, you know, they really don't push for very long. They labor very quietly for, and it's really subtly. And then all of a sudden it's happening. And if it doesn't happen within a few minutes, going in and being ready to go in is what's needed. Mm -hmm. And, you know, turning legs around and making sure that those little babies dive out on their, with their, with their chin on their, yeah, little nose, little feet presenting. (laughs) And, you know, I've also learned what can happen when I don't go in. I had in my first, um, in my second year of having sheep that were lambing, I had a sheep called Fat Fifi. She was, she ate so much and she grew babies that were too big mm. and we lost one of them. I had a feeling I should go out and check on her, but it was, it was only my second, um, lambing season and my first lambing season. I was out there all the time. I was out there. I would check at 10 o'clock and then I would check at midnight. And then I, I, I knew that I was sort of making them nervous and they were really not going into labor because I kept checking. So I had to chill out a little bit on my second year. And then I chilled out a little bit too much. I knew she was kind of going into labor. She stayed back and didn't go out to the orchard Mm -hmm. that day. So that night I should have, I should have gone and checked on her. So, um, you know, teaching people from my mistakes also, um, Mm -hmm. sort of the middle ground from, don't check all the time. I had a client who was giving, uh, her goat was giving birth for the first time. And I said, you need to back off. She's not going to do this until you like calm down a little bit. Uh-huh. <laughs> she was really excited. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I actually had a friend, um, my, uh, my son took horseback riding lessons from this woman and it was her first foaling. She'd had horses for 20 years and she'd never had a a foaling on her property before and she had me out this must have been five years ago and she swears that having me out was like the best luckiest thing that she ever did and we just did a trade for horseback riding lessons and I walked she had her come out and I walked around with her and just was feeding her herbs Uh (laughs) I was just feeding her um, you know, broadleaf plants from all over the the, the yard, the mm-hmm. side yard. She's like, is that okay? Is that okay to feed her? I'm like, yeah, it's okay. It's fine to feed her anytime. And then we talked about red raspberry leaf and she said, oh, there's, there's this stuff called mare magic. And she said, I'm pretty sure it's just red raspberry leaf. So they sell it for mares uh-huh, to uh-huh. keep them calm. Uh-huh. And it's just red raspberry leaf. <laughs> I had her eat a bunch of that. Magic. It was great. She was calm. And I said, you need to make some tea from this and drink some for yourself <laughs> to calm yourself down. And I said, don't, don't be so expectant. I, that's, um, I didn't really get that until I was pregnant myself, that word expecting, mm-hmm. because there is that excitement oh, and totally. that expectation, like this is going to happen. But when, <laughs> you know, it's inevitable, but when is this the baby coming is out? Clear. Yeah. yeah. And so since it's not our own bodies, it's even less clear when we have an animal that's about to give birth. And, you know, it's exciting when chicks hatch, but it's not as big of a deal as when uh, a mammal is going to be giving yeah. birth. And if you need to help, then, you know, it's super important to be knowledgeable, but also mm-hmm. calm and confident in order to go in to, so that you can 
make sure that 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 baby is alive. I did end up losing uh, a huge ewe lamb from that, from fat Fifi. (laughs) Um, But that next morning, I I could see that that one was was dead. Mm -hmm. And I had to, I had to go in to get it out. And then luckily, and that was the hardest birth I've ever helped with because it wasn't it was already stiff and dead mm. inside of her. It was really hard. And she wasn't really in labor anymore. Mm. So now I actually have homeopathics that I can use to stimulate labor and mm. it, they really work really efficiently and well. So I would now I would be using that. I've learned a lot more. I have many more skills and tricks up my sleeve. But then I, all I did was, you know, wash my arm really well and and I went back in and we got a live lamb, oh, a, wow. another you lamb that was much smaller behind her, uh-huh. um, which I was shocked that she was still alive. But uh-huh. going back in and making sure that everybody was was out was crucial. And yeah. she had a healthy, beautiful baby. little little black baby. It was wow. so nice. But it was, a, you know, it was a hard lesson. Yeah. Farm lessons are really hard lessons because usually it means someone dies. Yeah. And um, I like to share all of my mistakes <laughs> and all of the stories that I have from, you know, from that time and the time that Zeus died and the time that I had a mama that was had lambs that were three months old that had milk fever. I've never would have even thought that she would have milk fever, but I had never seen it before because my animals got plenty of calcium, mm. but she was just such a giver. She gave so much mm. and um, she had milk fever and I didn't know what to look for. Now I know what to look for. And I tell all my clients, um, if you see shaky back legs and they seem like they're just don't have it in them, that's the calcium is being pulled from the bones actually in the back legs first. And I didn't know what that looked like because I had never, and I wouldn't have thought it was milk fever because she was three months past giving birth. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, just, I've got so many stories. I've got dozens and dozens of stories and those I share, you know, freely with my, with my friends and, and with my clients. And it really helps to give perspective and an extra edge when, when learning how to farm because we're all first generation farmers essentially Mm -hmm. well I guess I'm second generation because I had my mama (laughs) but you know she her parents and her parents didn't farm right so there's been this gap and this return to farming especially here in Sonoma County there's so much rural you know land even attached to you know suburban plots mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that people everybody's wanting to get you know get Those a couple animals, yeah. uh, get a couple chickens or if they have a little bit more get some goats and mm-hmm. it's been wonderful to share and teach and um you know help people expand their farms or start their farms Thank you so much, Julia. I'm really excited about what you're offering and what you're bringing into the world. I do feel like as we're reclaiming the farming practice and coming back to that really fundamental relationship and coexistence with ourselves and our food and, and the animals that we um, have these deep relationships with, we're going to 
need more and more people to be available to help guide that. So you're doing that as a barnyard midwife. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. It's been great to, um, to talk about my passion. Thank you for tuning into this episode of the Positive Fantastic Podcast. I'm Maureen Atura, and you can reach me by checking out my website, www.maureenatura.com. You can read about upcoming author events or sign up for my email list to stay up to date with the content that I create. If you go to maureenatura.com slash thepositivefantastic, you can link directly to any of the podcast episodes that have already been published and see short summaries describing each episode. I'm on social media, and you can follow me on Facebook on my page, Maureenatura Author, and you can follow me on Instagram at author Maureenatura. Check out my channel at youtube.com slash to see a video of Julia and her role as barnyard midwife on her home farm. You can visit www.barnyardmidwife.com or see lovely images from her farm by following her Instagram handle at barnyardmidwife. You can follow her page Barnyard Midwife on Facebook and you can email her directly about farm consults barnyardmidwife at gmail.com. Special appreciation to Copper Woman for her song, Sisters, You Give Me Courage, at the beginning of this episode. For more about Copper's music, you can visit www.copperwoman.com. This episode of the Positive Fantastic Podcast has been brought to you on the full moon, and I hope you'll join us for a special 420 edition with Molly Hildenbrand of Be Rooted Botanicals. Cheers, and may all your barnyard relationships be healthy, nourishing, and fantastic. <laughs>